0: Today's episode of The Outside World is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Oklahoma Sooner tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So, download the Game Time app in the App Store. Or Google Play. Work that clock to your advantage and score last-minute tickets.
1: It's not about what the outside world thinks. It's about what does you know? What do you have in that room? And the best man wins. And you give everybody a shot at it. the outside world doesn't see the summer. Out on a Monday morning, they don't see that progress, but, but we as coaches do. Another episode of the Outside World here on The Athletic. I'm John Hayes, joined as always by my good friend Jason Kersey out in Lawrence, Kansas after Oklahoma's 45-20 to win yesterday. It was a tough game to watch early, but the Sooners got it done. Jason, how would you describe it? in one word, if you had to, it, it was it difficult, was it sloppy? How would you describe it?
0: Weird, weird, man. It was a weird, weird day. Um, it's a weird weekend in Lawrence, John. Um, you know, the night before I was sort of oblivious to it while it was happening, but I guess, you know, Snoop Dogg came to Lawrence and caused a lot of problems over at Allen Fieldhouse. And uh, you know, you walk around the um, the press box at KU and you can kind of hear whispers of it because that was sort of the dominant thing of the weekend. So there was that situation, um, Snoop Dogg causing all kinds of problems because apparently KU had never listened to a Snoop Dogg song before and uh, before they booked him. And then the game was just strange. It was a weather delay um, that uh, meant that they kicked off 30 minutes late, but they also did sort of a condensed pregame. So. OU's pregame was routine was off. Lincoln Riley did his like pregame speech on the field, so it was just weird. Um, and you know, then you, you get into the game and Kansas. Kansas is the first team all season to take any lead on OU. Um, Kansas, uh, you know, they're the first team to score a first quarter point on OU all year. OU gets into a third and goal from the forty eight yard line and has to punt on fourth and goal. Just a weird day. Just a weird day.
1: I put it on Twitter yesterday, and you can follow me. By the way, at John Hayes on Air, you can follow Jason at Jason Kersey. Jason, I said Oklahoma overcomes an early kick, sleepy start, half full stadium, look ahead spot, and a punt on fourth and goal to lead Kansas twenty-one to seven at the half. It was a no contest in the second half. After the Sooners went into the locker room, uh, they clearly uh, knew it was time to put this game to bed. But I'm going to describe it as a get out game. Okay, we knew they were going to beat Kansas. Uh, we knew that this was going to be a, a, a putrid and just a, a slog type of atmosphere in Lawrence. How many people do you think were at the game, Jason, if you had to put a number on it?
0: Oh, man, I'm, I am the worst at uh, estimating crowd sizes, so I don't even know. I, I've, I've got the box score here. Does it say on the box score? Um, the box score My says, be- says 34,000. I was gonna say twenty-five or thirty thousand people. Yeah, it says thirty-four thousand four hundred and two is what the the official numbers are, and sure, that seems right. I'm I'm so bad at that. Um, but it was yeah, you're right. I mean, you're talking about an OU team that has been utterly dominant, playing on the road in you know nasty conditions, a weather delay. Um, in front of a bad crowd and against a bad opponent, and I don't care what Lincoln Riley or his players say. I do not believe that they're you know because they all said, "Well, well, we keep an our eye on the task at hand." We were not thinking about Texas. I don't believe that. I think they were. Most of them were thinking about Texas all week. And uh, and you know they got through it. Who cares? I I don't think that it's anything. I I think there are a few things. If you read my post game column, I think there are a few things that are concerning uh that that have sort of been percolating all year but generally speaking i don't think this game is anything to worry about but there are a few things that maybe fans should worry about
1: if you want to read that column by the way you can subscribe to the athletic just go to theathletic.com slash the outside world and you can read all of jason's great work and his phenomenal oklahoma sooners coverage i read that column of course i did and it's it's not always fun to to talk about penalties but you, the way you described it, Jason, it's, it's a real problem for Oklahoma.
0: It is. I mean, they still, um, you know, the stats are all updated on CFBstats.com. And uh, Oklahoma is still second to last in the FBS, just ahead of Tulsa in, in, in penalty yardage per game. And, and yesterday they had eight. Um, but that those don't even include a offensive pass interference that, that was declined a hold that was declined and a personal foul or a unsportsmanlike that was offset. So you, I mean, really 11 penalties were called yesterday. And so that's not good. And you know, you can, you can chalk some of it up, maybe to the, to the conditions and the weirdness of the overall game, but you, but you can't really do that because this has been a problem all season. They are a very penalized team and, And especially some of those holds, they've got to get those under control. That is the stuff that can cost them in their bigger games, one of which is coming up this weekend. Speaking of that game, uh, let's just move
1: on to, to the elephant in the room here. Uh, the date on Saturday with Texas at the Cotton Bowl and by the way Texas beat West Virginia yesterday 42 to 31 that game was on the road as well so both these teams are coming in with some momentum after a W of course Texas they have that one blemish on their schedule against LSU so from a college football playoff perspective this is basically a winner go home game for Texas I wouldn't say it's that way for Oklahoma, but as we sit here today, earlier in the early in the week, Jason, uh, how do you paint the picture for this matchup on Saturday in Dallas that the entire country is waiting for?
0: Yeah, it, I mean, well, for Texas, you're absolutely right; they they have to win this to keep any hope of getting the playoff alive. But for OU. Um... You know, they've proven, I think twice now, they've made the playoff having lost to Texas and Dallas. Last year, they got a chance at a rematch, and there's a very good chance that we're going to see this game as a rematch uh, in in uh, the Big 12 championship game anyway. But uh, but this is an important game. It's the most important game of the regular season. It always is, um, especially when both teams are good. There was kind of a stretch there for a while where Texas was down and this game didn't mean quite as much nationally. This game means a lot nationally now. Um Frankly, I'm a little bit surprised that uh, game day's not coming. Um, I, I I know they're going, I guess, to uh, LSU, Florida, which which makes sense too. Obviously, both those teams are in the top ten. But um, it's it, you know back back when I was growing up and going to this game, it was a game that game day was at a lot of years, and so um, it, it's a huge game with huge national implications, and uh, and for OU yeah, they could probably lose it and still get in, but but they don't want to lose this game, especially after last year. I mean, let's let's remember too, this game last year. Kyler Murray led a furious comeback uh, that was, I mean, the defense just completely melted down and and uh, and that was the reason. that game is the reason Mike Stoops got fired. It's the reason, really, uh, at the end of the day, or one of the big reasons that Alex Grinch is now at uh, Oklahoma's defensive coordinator. So it's a it's a big time game. It's the I mean to me for my money and and I'm probably a little biased because I grew up in in Oklahoma, but I think it's the best rivalry in college football. I love it. I love everything about it. The State Fair, the the old Cotton Bowl split down the middle 50-50. Um, I, I think it's the coolest, the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I've, I've been to a lot of really cool, uh, college football games. I've been to the iron bowl. I've been to, I've been to a lot of cool things, but, um, I, th- for, for me, this is, this is the best. I, I'm so excited about this week. Always.
1: Me too. And for the record, I, I think game day made a mistake by, by going down the Baton Rouge for, for Florida at LSU. Uh, were they, were they not just in Gainesville last weekend? Um, two Florida games in a row seems like a bit of a stretch for me. Uh, Oklahoma, Texas is a, is a noon Eastern kick, obviously. Uh, 11 a.m. Uh, Central local kick. Uh, game day could, could roll in to that game. You could have all the pregame festivities, all the people ready for a football game just hours before kick at game day. But instead, down in Baton Rouge, uh, you're going to have game day uh, start at 8 a.m. Central time, uh, Twelve hours or eleven hours before that kick at night between LSU and Florida, but there's one key in this entire discussion, and it's the fact that Oklahoma Texas is on Fox and LSU and Florida is on ESPN. Uh, I think yeah. that, when it comes down to it, was the reason why Game Day is going to Baton Rouge.
0: There are a lot of people, you know, and uh, who are li- going to be listening to this, John, who are going to think it's something else. SEC, SEC bias, man. ESPN, so biased towards the SEC, right? Isn't that what it is? (laughs) (laughs) The SEC bias isn't real? I don't know, but they do have a big time business deal uh, with the conference. I'm I'm, I'm just joking. Hey,
1: I'll play into the conspiracy if you want me to. I'll go down that road. But at the same time, uh, the Big 12 and ESPN just got a business deal done as well with the ESPN Plus. So it's all in the family. Um, but that that fox big noon window um, has been doing doing very well uh as the network and and some of the leagues, especially the big twelve has placed a priority on that early kick
0: yeah i mean uh, you no know, the the early kick is another thing that I think a lot of fans um are, are annoyed by and have been for years. You know, they play that game at 11 a.m. OU Texas every year. And I think it's, it's sort of a sore subject for fans. And I've written about it before at one of my previous employers at the Oklahoma. And I, I wrote a big story about this, but it's worth uh, reminding people. I think the reason why that game is at 11 a.m. The people hate it because they have to drive to Dallas. They have to spend an extra night in a hotel. You know, they have to get up really early. It's hard to tailgate. It's hard to do all of those things, but, the part of town that the Cotton Bowl is in, they do not want to have a game there late at night. Uh, they don't want to uh, let fans spend the entire day drinking in the state fair before they go in, especially when it's so heated the way that the the fans can get pretty heated in that game. Uh, there, there's a lot of reasons why they they choose to play that game at 11 a.m., and that is something that OU and Texas both uh, want and uh, they they have both strongly resisted moving that game tonight. But the bottom line is, if you want, if you want, and I, you know, I'm in this boat too. I I, do, I never want that game to move to Jerry World, move away from the Cotton Bowl and from the State Fair. It's one of the coolest atmospheres in college football, and it would destroy it if they move to Jerry World. But if you want the game to be at the Cotton Bowl, it has to be at 11 a.m. Um, because also, I'm I'm pretty sure that that 2:30 would be a regional window uh and so it couldn't be on national tv they want it to be on national tv so it has to be at 11 a.m it's the only choice so i, I always at this time during this week i feel the need to uh clarify that uh for people so that because this is a week when people start to get really pissed off about that
1: Yeah, it's those little things in college football that that make a big difference jason uh we talk about it and sometimes it feels trivial um, but all of those things uh, combine to create an experience. And that's what the sport is. It's not just about what happens between the lines. And, of course, we love that and we're going to talk about it. But it's about the atmosphere. Um, it's about both fan bases coming together. And I think it's the smart thing to do. I think uh, an 11 a.m. central kickoff with both fan bases going wild at the state fair, um, having a great time, uh, it, it's better to just to get the game over with, have some fun in the afternoon, and everybody can disperse afterwards. And, and one Have, other thing hey, in regards to AT&T, AT&T Stadium, Jason, one other thing. Um, mm-hmm. If you ask me, uh, every football game should be played on, on grass, not artificial turf. So uh, <laughs> get away from the turf as much as possible.
0: Well, a couple. Uh, I, I, I want to ask you a question, but first I'm going to say as far as turf goes, I'm with you. I love real grass. OU has real grass. Um, I think they're one of only two Schools in the um, in the Big Twelve that haven't moved to artificial turf. OU actually had artificial turf for for years, and they switched to to grass. and uh, I, I think it's really cool. I think OU and Iowa State are the only two schools that have grass. Uh, and And over in the SEC, you know my my old stomping grounds, Arkansas, just switched to to r- real grass this year. So that's pretty cool. Um, I was going to ask, have you ever been to an OU Texas game, John?
1: I have not, unfortunately, Jason. You I got you gotta got to get out it, there, man. It's on the college football bucket list.
0: Yeah, you, you got to get out there. I mean, I, I, I again, I acknowledge that I, that I have a little bit of bias because of where I grew up, but um, I've never been to Ohio State, Michigan, never been to Army, Navy. I did go to one Iron Bowl, which was really cool. I enjoyed it. But, man, the, the neutral site, the Cotton Bowl, the State Fair – um, it is it is the the coolest darn thing in college football, in my opinion. I look forward to this week every year, um, and uh, I'm so excited that it's here. So yeah, we we got to get you out here, man. We we need to do a podcast from from the Cotton Bowl press box or something.
1: I like the sound of that. And uh, hey, maybe I can talk to uh, the bosses this week and and Let's find my way down there on Saturday. Uh, I, I don't see why. Uh, I, I shouldn't ask. Hey, uh, if you don't ask, you won't ever receive. Never forget that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think we're doing – Jason, we're doing a nice job of, of really, like, setting the table for this football game, trying to understand what storylines are out there, um, what this game means on the schedule. Just – just I, I can feel the excitement. I can hear it in your voice. And 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 me personally doing the show with you for the first half of the season, um, I don't think the urgency has been there. And that's just because of the Oklahoma schedule, and that's okay. They're rolling through teams that they, quite frankly – should roll through and now we finally got a big time matchup now since we've set the the table where do we start as far as matchups are concerned both quarterbacks we've talked ad nauseum uh, about Jalen Hurts but what about Sam Ellinger and this Oklahoma defense he's clearly the best player at quarterback that that Oklahoma has seen all year long uh, can you can you put that into perspective for me Alex Grinch and, and his preparation this year for um, his first time going up against uh, Ellinger uh, as the Oklahoma DC Well
0: I mean I think John that's pretty disrespectful to Kansas quarterback Carter Stanley but um just <laughs> uh, <laughs> Can't, sorry. Can't. I, I, I'm uh. sorry, Carter. You made some nice throws.
1: You did. And by the way, uh, you made a couple of throws in the fourth quarter that got me the cover on the plus 33 points. But we don't we don't have to go here or there yeah. with that. But uh, but
0: but no, you're you're absolutely right. Sam Ellinger is the best quarterback that they have faced all year. Um, Derek King was was really good. But uh, Ellinger is, is on another level, I think. In, in terms of what he can do, what he has done to OU in the past, uh, he he really kind of gave them a hard time last season. So I, I mean that obviously is where you start. I think is is again like I said earlier. This this the the overarching story to me in this game is this game is the reason Mike Stoops got fired last year, and it's the reason Alex Grinch is here. Now there's more to it. Obviously, there were a lot of bad defensive games over the last couple of years. But this is the game where Lincoln Riley said, enough is enough. we got to fire Mike Stoops. So uh, this is a very important game for Alex Grinch. This is the first time I feel like we're really going to see just how improved they are. Now, I've said before, I said, I think I said it last week on our on our podcast together, and I said it on the second podcast last week, and uh, I've written it that I think they're clearly better in a lot of ways, uh, the way that they hustle around, um, the you know, the 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 Emphasis on takeaways. The the just the overall culture is so much better. I just really quick. I mean, yesterday the 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 first uh, play of the game. Just look at the first play of the game yesterday. You had uh, the eleven players ran out. Buki is at Nickelback. They spot what Kansas is doing. They quickly get Buki off the field. Get David Uguaybu, a, a second outside linebacker, on the field to run four linebackers, and they do all of that seamlessly right before the play. Uh, right before the snap, La- under Mike Stoops, it had gotten so chaotic, so disorganized. I can, I would bet almost anything that they would have called a defensive timeout before the first snap yesterday in a similar situation. That's how much better this culture is. So. Um, The culture is better, but this is the this is in terms of talent. This is going to be the best uh, team they've played, the best offense they've played. And then the other side of it, John, is I really am interested in the Oklahoma offensive line against the Texas defensive line because uh, Oklahoma's offensive line is another thing uh, that I referenced earlier in terms of the things from yesterday's game that should be concerning. Offensive line is concerning. Obviously, they're averaging nine or ten yards a, a play this season. And uh, and on, on the surface, you wouldn't really think there's a problem. But they have played – they have started five different offensive line groups this year because of injuries, because of you know moving things around. Um, they, they've got their starting right guard playing tackle for the second week. Yesterday they were without both their starting tackles. So it's been a different offensive line lineup every day, and Bill Bedenbaugh spent the entire preseason, the offensive line coach, telling us that they've got to find a cohesive group that can grow together, and they haven't been able to do that. And uh, Texas is going to be a big challenge, and and I think that's going to be a. a, a a unit I'm really watching we have no idea what that lineup is going to look like next week if Eric Swenson and Adrian Ely, the two tackles are going to be back so that that's really what I'm going to be watching in terms of the offense I think Jalen Hurts uh, is probably going to have a nice day uh, Texas has some injuries on defense but that offensive line is a real a real concern I think
1: I'm looking up some numbers in regards to the game and it's tough to find Um, a bunch of numbers as we're recording this podcast but i do believe i've seen um, some sports books open with oklahoma as a three and a half point favorite does that number surprise you
0: not really i mean that that seems about right i mean i i wouldn't expect it to be much higher than that i mean texas has uh you know has a good team this year and and this game i think is going to be is going to be a really good one um I, I don't quite know what I would predict the score to be yet. I, I do think OU is a favorite and I do think OU will win. But in terms of how close, I mean yeah, three three, three and a half seems 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 about right to me.
1: I would make Oklahoma a touchdown favorite in this football game. I I certainly would. I I I Jason, I mean, we've watched this team all season long. And we've kept close eyes on on Texas as well. As as every Oklahoma fan does, you know there's one thing that happens in sports. Uh, you know, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. Um, always keep an eye on what your rivals doing. And and Texas giving up 31 points to West Virginia. Give me a break. West Virginia is terrible. They're bad. That's that. That's they not are good going into Oklahoma. And they Texas, are bad. And I'm sorry. No, you're sorry, good, John.
0: Yeah. I was going to say they are bad. And uh, West Virginia might have won that game if uh, our old friend Austin Kendall, who as you'll recall, was really, really close to beating Kyler Murray out for that job last year um, through four interceptions. And I think I read – I didn't get to watch the game because I was writing while it was going on. I think I read that his interceptions were directly responsible for 21 Texas points. So, I mean, you know, they – but, you know, you also wonder, and I want to give them the benefit of the doubt here, that West Virginia – Uh, or Texas was playing a bad team on the road, just like Oklahoma was yesterday. And I would imagine that the Texas players spent the week thinking about Oklahoma. So I think that probably cuts both ways.
1: It does. I agree with you on that. It was a look ahead situation for both programs, especially on the road, like you mentioned, but I do feel the need to bring up the loss against LSU and how that LSU offense with, with Joe Burrow just went down into Austin, Texas and lit up the scoreboard. And mm-hmm. I think Jalen Hurts and Oklahoma have potential to do the same exact thing. Uh, LSU was able to do it in a true road environment. Now Oklahoma is going to have half the stadium on their side on Saturday. Uh, would it be crazy to say that Oklahoma wins this game by three touchdowns?
0: No, uh, it wouldn't be crazy to say that. I mean, the, Oklahoma has won. You know, I grew up again uh, in the in the era where Bob Stoops and Mac Brown were were facing off and and they uh Mac Brown did beat Bob Stoops a fair amount of times, but when Oklahoma won that game, a lot of times it was a blowout. I mean I was there when OU won sixty three to fourteen in two thousand against a good Texas team. I was there in two thousand three when OU won sixty five to thirteen against a Texas team that I think I can't remember. Did they go to the Rose Bowl that no, that was the next year they went to the Rose Bowl. But that was still a Texas team that I think finished ranked in the top ten. Um so OU has in the past gone in and just wiped them uh you know up and down the field so it's not crazy to think that that could happen um i i don't know that i expect it to happen and i and i would push back a little bit on the lsu thing yeah it was in it was in austin but lsu's turned out to be a pretty darn good offense i mean i i i don't know you hold it against them a little bit but i mean joe burrow looks like he could win the heisman right
1: he does. I, he absolutely I mean, does.
0: Where did that come from, by the way? But anyway. It,
1: it came from New Orleans. It came from Joe Brady and the New Orleans Saints um, offensive guru who, who Ed Orgeron finally was able to hire and bring him in uh, to Baton Rouge and change that, that old school offense that they've been running for, for a number of years. LSU has finally finally committed to running the spread offense and and you're seeing seeing the fruits of that decision and it's playing out really well for LSU who by the way plays uh this this Saturday we'll learn a lot about that squad as well when they take on a top 10 defense in the country and that's the Florida Gators who look pretty darn good against Auburn yesterday and before we get out of here Jason on the show today um, as we set up the week and and what is a a packed Saturday of games um, uh, in, in week seven is where Oklahoma now fits into the the national picture. I always love to get your perspective on this. Um, are you standing pat, or have things changed after week six?
0: I don't think it really has uh, much because, you know, again, I, I think OU was kind of due for a little bit of a, a – I don't even want to say stinker, just a game that wasn't quite up to the same standard that they had for the first four weeks. That was going to happen. Uh, Jalen Hurts was never going to be able to keep up those absurd numbers every single week. So um, I still think Oklahoma belongs right up there in that conversation with the six or so teams, seven teams that that I think have a real shot at the playoff. Um, Although now I guess you would put Florida into that mix and take Auburn out, at least at this point. Um, after what happened yesterday in that game, uh, so I, I mean, I still think it's sort of uh, Alabama, uh, Clemson, LSU, OU, Ohio State, um, and and sort of that that's sort of the the group right there uh, with with a few others, maybe Florida um, in the mix as well. And I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but. Oh, uh, Georgia. I guess Georgia would would probably be in that mix too. So I think that's that's sort of where I have them. I, I I don't quite know where I would rank them at this point. I think I think they probably belong in the top five. But I I think you could make a case for putting those six or seven teams in just about any order, and it would be hard to argue against it. You know, you could you could argue for. Any sort of order when it comes to that. that's why I'm really glad that I'm not a AP voter or anything, because I think that would be really hard right now to sort all that out. But I do think that as the SEC beats itself up there, some of this stuff is gonna is gonna naturally sort itself out. And I think, you know, OU and Texas are going to sort themselves out this weekend. But I, I, I don't know that my perspective has changed in terms of where OU belongs. I think they belong firmly in that discussion with those six or seven teams.
1: What can we expect, athletic subscribers? That is um, from you this week on the writing side, uh, leading into this massive matchup.
0: Well, do, you know there'll be some some analysis stuff. Uh, Typical, you know, my usual seen and heard um, notes column that I, I really enjoy doing, and I and I hope people enjoy. Will be Thursday. I'm gonna try to have some fun with that uh, with OU Texas. But the big thing I have this week uh, is I I have a. A big uh, story coming out Friday about uh, Adrian Peterson. This will be this is the 15 years of Adrian Peterson's unbelievable freshman season, where he sort of uh, forced himself onto the scene. Was the Heisman Trophy runner up. Uh, a lot of people to this day believe he should have won the Heisman, um, and there was some politics, I think, there that that maybe prevented him from winning it. People didn't believe at the time. A lot of people didn't believe at the time that a freshman should win the Heisman. Uh, but Adrian Peterson, uh, you know, just uh, it took him about three or four games to start that year. Uh, but when he finally did, he just exploded. And, uh, and really, the Texas game was his sort of national coming out party. He had two, over 200 yards in that game. Uh, his first run of the day went for 50-something yards. Um, it's been really fun. I, talked to, I got to talk to Adrian. Uh, obviously, he's now in Washington in the NFL. I got to talk to, uh, I talked to Bob Stoops about this. I've talked to some of his old teammates uh, about, about it. So it's been really fun to reminisce about that 15 years since Adrian Pearson's freshman season, uh, when he, uh, emerged and exploded. And it, I, I don't know how you feel about this, John. Um, I'll be interested to know what you think. I've always said that I, I am totally fine with the NFL requiring guys to be three years out of out of high school to to enter the draft I think it makes sense from a physical standpoint most guys simply aren't ready I will always say that Adrian Peterson and Jadavian Clowney are the only two players I've ever seen in college that could have gone right from high school to the NFL
1: there's one more on my list okay Herschel Walker
0: Okay, yeah, that's probably fair. And and that's I think, am thinking yeah. back to
1: Herschel Walkers and, and 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 his freshman year at Georgia where he literally just took the football and he was running people over from day one. And that's yeah, and why he, uh-huh. I I think that way It's for the same reason as Adrian Peterson, Jason, is his body was ready.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing um it's interesting you mentioned Herschel Walker because Herschel Walker was cited often by people who didn't want to vote for Adrian Peterson for the Heisman. The The thought was, well, Herschel Walker didn't win the Heisman Trophy as a freshman, so we can't let Adrian Peterson win the Heisman Trophy as a freshman, which is a pretty ridiculous argument. Um you know, just because you didn't give it to Herschel Walker, doesn't whatever. Um, we've obviously gotten past that. We've had some freshmen win the Heisman uh, since then. But uh, at the time, I think the sort of thought was, well, we don't have to give Adrian Peterson the Heisman this year because he's going to have another chance to win it. And the truth is he never did. He got injured uh, the next two years uh, that cost him some statistics, and he was never never the same dominant player in college. And obviously he's gone on to become one of the best running backs in NFL history. But... Uh, in college, he never got that other chance to win the Heisman. In fact, he never won any national awards. Uh, he did, he did not win the Doak Walker award that year. Uh, and he never won that. So uh, it's really interesting to to sort of look back on Adrian Peterson. I, 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 I think it's the, the, one of the greatest seasons, uh, individual seasons in OU history. It's certainly up there. And he, uh, you know, he, he completely took college football by storm, and he especially did it in the Texas week. And the other interesting thing about it, John, is that this is a guy who grew up in Texas, grew up wanting to play for Texas. and uh, there were some things that happened, some uh, you know some things in the recruiting process that caused him to eliminate Texas and, and end up playing for, for their our tribal, and all that will be in the story.
1: Yeah, it's a fascinating story. I'm looking forward to that on on Friday. Adrian Peterson, he's a beast. I mean, just to think that 15 years ago is his freshman year, and he's still toting the rock in the NFL. Um, exactly. He's not the same guy that he was, but if you're inside the 10 yard line and you need to get a tough four, five, five yards, Adrian Peterson is, is still a guy that can get it for you.
0: Yeah, he. I mean, it's it's amazing. You see, you know, guys start to uh, fade out. You know, ar- around. You know, two years ago, in terms of his career, in terms of running backs, they yeah, always say, I guess, when you know, when you hit thirty, that's kind of the. But Adrian Peterson is older than that, and he's still. You're right; he's not the same guy. But he, you know, he, who would expect him to be the same guy? This is a guy uh, that is still a really solid NFL running back, really reliable guy. And uh, and I, I've had just so much fun looking back at his freshman year.
1: That story will be exclusively for scribers subscribers to the Athletic, as well as. Uh, the bonus episode of the outside world jason will be back this thursday you can get all that content by going to the athletic.com slash the outside world where you'll get 40 percent off an annual subscription it's always great hanging out with you jason texas week is is finally here um, let's dig our heels in uh, let's lo- look forward to this football game and i can't wait to talk to you next week um, after we find out what happens and what goes down in dallas
0: Good to talk to you as always, John.